Start taking a break, taking a Sabbath, like actually learning and understanding what the Sabbath means and how it's for our benefit. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we sit down with certified educator in personal finance, Bob Lodich. He's here to demonstrate the joy and generosity. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. This is actually our third and final episode in the Money Masters series. If you're just joining us, go back and check out our episodes with Anthony O'Neill and Lynn Richardson. And now we're here with Bob Lodich. So excited to jump into today's interview. Listen, if you're brand spanking new, here's what you need to know about redefining wealth. We are a community that believes wholeheartedly that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe deep down in our hearts in the original 12th century definition of wealth, which says it's about the condition of well-being. And so Every week we seek to unpack what I call the six pillars of wealth. These are the different areas of life that impact how we see our finances, how we manage our finances, but they're also the areas we don't always think about. So if you need to get familiarized with these six pillars of wealth, I want you to go to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. That's patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Now, this has been our Money Mastery Series, and I did an episode a long time ago talking about abundance being activated by giving. And I'm really excited to jump into this episode about generosity because I truly see being generous as a wealthy habit. And I couldn't think of anyone better to illustrate this lesson than Bob Lodich. Bob is a certified educator in personal finance and founder of the award-winning website, ctime.com. His site and podcast contain the lessons learned from his journey from being a stingy, debt-ridden fool to being 100% debt-free, being able to give more than he ever dreamed, and the joy with money in the process. Bob's writing and advice has been featured in Kiplinger's, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, and so many others. Without further ado... Here's my buddy, Bob Lodich. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Bob. I am so glad to be here. Thank you, Patrice. I'm glad to have you. This has been a long time coming. Like I was telling you before, I was always wanting to reach out and meet you and we just, we've crossed paths, but just not had that chance yet. So I'm super excited that we get to now. I'm so glad that you circled back because I actually, like you said, have wanted to cross paths. I know I saw you years ago at FinCon and saw you at that Dave Ramsey influencer event, but we never quite got together there either. And I actually ran across, I've been following you on Instagram for some time though, you and your, your beautiful wife, Linda. And I ran across a video where you guys talked about paying your house off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, immediately, like a good wife does, DM'd it to my husband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, see, see, look, it's, look at what's possible, right? But just oh, always yeah. been inspired by your work and how you tie in biblical principles. I know I've run across your articles for years. And so I really want to get in 
to this episode by really unpacking how you describe yourself. So in your bio, you -hmm. talk about being a once stingy, debt-ridden fool. How do you describe or define the word stingy? What did that look like for you? For me, it was just all focused on self. I think that's what it comes down to. I just didn't have any joy in giving. I didn't have any joy in generosity. And everything was about me. I mean, one of my earliest memories is of my little sister, who's three and a half years younger than me. And I was probably eight or nine at the time. I think she was five or so. I remember telling her, you know, I'm going to be rich one day because we grew up pretty middle class, not at all wealthy by any stretch of imagination, but it was an aspiration that I had even from such a young age. And I'm like, I want to be rich one day. And I'm going to have this big old mansion. I'm going to have a tennis court inside. I'm going to have a pool inside, all this stuff. And I said, and you can't come in, you know, just like a nice, normal, mean big brother. And so that was like always on my mind, like money. But it's just interesting how my heart was not right. And it was too, you know, like you talk about, like I was chasing money. I was not chasing purpose. And I was just completely headed down the wrong path, chasing money for a long time. And that was part of what I was kind of describing as just being stingy. So how do you think that shows up for a lot of people, though? I I love Andy Stanley's How to Be Rich. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you read that book. We read it in Patrice's pod club. And it talks about the fact that many of us don't give to the extent that we could because we don't realize we're already rich. And rich is not true. Right. Rich is not. Oh, I make five hundred thousand and above per year. So like especially in America, we're in the top 4% of income earners in the world. And yet we still never feel like we have enough to give, right? So do you think that other people might be stingy and not even recognize it? Like, did you know I'm being stingy? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. It's really easy to spot in other people, but so hard to spot in ourselves. My relationship with the Lord over the years, I just he just keeps bringing me to deeper and deeper levels of just shining a spotlight on things. It's like, I didn't know that was there. You know, I think it's something that if we're all honest, I think there's always an amount that at least most of us are dealing with to some extent. And, and I think just being open and honest about it and being okay. Like it's greed is something that a lot of us have to deal with. I mean, probably, I I don't know. I don't know if I can say everybody, but it's just such a common pervasive thing that just being honest about the fact that it's there, I think is helpful to acknowledge it and move past it and work through it, you know? Yeah. I think because too, we live in a society in particular where it's always about getting bigger and better and going for more and more and more. And we really yeah. struggle with contentment. Like oh, when yeah. is it like when is enough enough? Right. Because if you get to the place of understanding what's enough for you, even before then, you can really be a great giver. But when you understand what's enough, right, then it's nothing to kind of go above and beyond and give. And I know that you and your wife are significant tithers. You guys have a really interesting concept for how you tithe, if I remember correctly. Can you talk about your belief in tithing and how you actually got to from stingy to being such a great giver? Yeah, it's been a journey for us, uh, for sure. And now we always had a, even from when we were dating, Linda and I both had a passion. We wanted to be able to give on a, on a large scale. We wanted to be able to give away a lot of money. We didn't know how to get there. So that was like something that had changed uh, in my heart over those years, just kind of walking with the Lord and 
letting him do some work on me. But by the time we were engaged, there was something we were excited about, but we still didn't know what that meant. And we didn't know what kind of sacrifices would be, what things we would need to give up in order to make that happen. And, and so for us, yeah, it just began with tithing. Like she had been tithing from a, a little girl and that was just a big part of her growing up. She was raised a Christian. I wasn't, but as a teenager became one and kind of discovered tithing and probably or started kind of seriously to doing it probably in my early 20s. And I just watched God start doing stuff. And it just started to make sense that, all right, this is working a little bit. And and as we kind of started moving forward, that we just noticed that we had more financial peace as a whole in our lives. We noticed that even though we're giving away 10% of our income, things are just really solid. Like things feel good. And it was just so much better than when we were keeping all of it or when I was keeping all of it. And as we just kind of continued down this journey, we just felt like the Lord just continued to stretch us and stretch us and are giving more and more and more. And uh, the big kicker moment for us a little bit was, um, I guess that was 2000, probably 11 or so. Um, I was out praying one day and praying about some financial things we were going through and a couple of like struggles and kind of bumps in the road we had hit. And I just kind of felt like the Lord kind of dropped in my heart. If you really want to see me move on your finances, I want you to give your age as a percentage of your income. And I remember thinking like, what? Is Did that I even, hear that right? Mike, <laughs> for real? Like, and I was 31 at the time. You know, like that's, a, that's more than double what we're given. And I went back home and ran the numbers. I'm like, can we even do this? And wasn't even sure. But it was one of those times where it's like, you know, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I just sensed that this was what he was leading me to do. And, you know, and that's a unique thing. It's not for everybody, but I, it's something that I just felt him leading us to do. And and whenever I kind of see God kind of drop this question in front of me, I know that there's something good on the other side of it. Like, I know that he's not asking me to do it just to torture me, you know, right. there's a reason behind this. And so I talked to Linda and she's been so good about this. She's so generous and just so willing to just go on these adventures like this. And so she was on board completely. And so like, all right, let's go for it. Let's do it. And um, even though like, this seems like this is the opposite of kind of what I was praying about. I was praying about moving forward financially. And it's like, God said, Oh, I want you to give a whole bunch more away. So we did it and we began doing it. And you know what, within that year, we paid off our house. Like it, it made no sense. It defied all logic and reason. And, and that was kind of the first thing, the first big thing where it's like, all right, I'm really starting to believe that we cannot outgive God. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard that phrase, but once you start kind of stretching in that and it's like, I just don't think there's any limits here, you know? And so yeah. that's kind of, we've been walking that journey the last nine years by his grace. He's provided enough for us to be able to do it, which is amazing. And um, yeah. Okay, Bob, we have so many questions. I know I can just, I can see the comments on YouTube now where people are like, but how? First of all, my theme for this year is obedience. Mm. When I feel the Holy Spirit give me direction, I've been learning not to question, not to have that back and forth and like, but God, are you sure? Because that was my norm, right? Like, (laughs) but are you sure, sure? Or maybe I heard this wrong. Let me pray a, a little bit more, right? What was the time frame between you having this divine download and actually going into action? Like how much time passed? I don't remember specifically for that, but I mean, I 100% understand what you're saying. Like there are so many times that's one area in my life I want to grow in as well. Like how do I quickly 
obey when God asks me to do something. And it's scary. Like there's just no, there's no qualms about it. And I think there are some people who it's like, you know, just jump off a cliff, like with nothing. But the more of these things we go through, the more I can be like, God, all right, you came through on this. You came through on this thing. You came through on this thing. Like you just keep showing up every single time. Like you have never left me high and dry. And that helps me move a little bit faster. (laughs) It helps me take action a little bit quicker. And it's still scary. You know, we're going through one of those right now that will give you a testimony on hopefully in six months or so. But when you're in the heat of it and when you can't see the outcome, like it's just frightening and scary. But the great thing is, is that God will not let us down. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And when we can really lean into that, it makes it a little bit easier. We can trust him and do that. So anyway, back to your original question. I don't know exactly what it was for us, but I would guess remembering how I was at that point, it was probably within a day or two. It it took a little while for it to sink in. And we had seen God do some things before. So it's there's also a sense of excitement. Like Mm -hmm. this is a big thing. And I just think he's going to do something big through this. If we are willing to kind of make the sacrifice and obey in this. So what types of things you don't have to go into specifics, but just because I really want people to walk away from this, not thinking, well, that was for Bob and that's not for me. Right. So even if I don't hear I should tithe my age, you know, it's just maybe I know I need to tithe. Like this has been something that I've struggled with back and forth over the years. What if I just trusted and did it? What types of miraculous things happen that you were able to give at that level and still pay your house off within the next 12 months? Yeah. One of the interesting things about that was that was probably a year or two after I'd started my business. So I got laid off in 2008. And and that was another crazy thing that we just felt like I was getting laid off. I'd been working at a financial firm and I'd started this blog in kind of 2007 and was kind of working on it probably 10, 15 hours a week trying to grow it all this stuff. And then I get this pink slip saying, all right, your, your entire department's going to be laid off because we got bought out by another company and all this. And I was naturally just thinking, all right, well, I'm going to go look for another job and figure this out. And as I was doing that, I just sensed the Lord said, no, I want you to work on this blog. And like, this is 2008. No one even knows what a blog is. <laughs> like, oh I literally gosh. know like one or two people in the entire universe who are making a living from a blog. And like, this makes no sense. And and so I continue. And again, it's like the Lord's there. It's like, nah, I want you to do this. So then again, I go and talk to Linda and she's on board. And it's like, all right, great. You know, and I, I don't have much advice for when your spouse isn't on board because she's just been amazing. And I know that's a big challenge for a lot of people, but it hasn't been for me. And so we decided, all right, let's, um, go forward with this. We'll use our savings and just try to ramp up into this blog that, you've been working on for a year and is making a hundred dollars a month. Let's see what can happen. And within nine months, we were earning more than my old day job from this block. And I could just, again, it just doesn't make sense, but that wasn't necessarily an act of uh, generosity on my part, but it was an act of obedience and, um, and a really scary one at that. And God came through like that. And, you know, as far as tithing, like we've had multiple instances here. We had one where, we were really committed to giving 10%. Like that was a solid number that we wanted to give, you know, um, when we were first married. And at some point I, this is before I got laid off. I 
I went through and we had gotten a raise or something and I had forgot to adjust it. And I kind of realized, oh, we're actually only given like 8%. And, and I'm like, all right, I want to, I want to get that up to 10, you know? And so I went and ran the numbers. I'm like, oh man, this, we got a problem here. Cause we're not going to have enough money to pay the bills. If we do this, if we actually give 10% and I'm like, man, all right. And so I go into the word and I start reading all these verses and I'm like, all right, God, I think that you're saying you want me to do this. And so we decided we were going to give 10% and trust that he was going to provide and for us to be able to do that, even though the math wasn't adding up right then, which again, like I'm a numbers nerd. Like this is so against the grain for me. And so I completely understand. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense. And so we decided to do it. And that day, you know, we kind of gave our first, um, I think we were giving every two weeks, excuse me at that point. And that day we decided, I walked into the office the next day, our company had said, we're not giving any raises this year. I walk into the office the next day, my boss calls me into her office. She said, close the door. We need to keep this between you and I. We're not giving raises to anyone else, but I'm giving you a raise right now. Literally the day after we decided to do that. And she gives me a raise and it's more, more than covers that amount. And I'm just like, all right, uh, I'm done. Okay. I'm done. Like I'm in, you know, does it make sense at all? Like I am a firm believer in tithing, but I do see that over the years, especially when the income has gone up, we've had those times when we didn't adjust. Yeah. And yeah. then when it was like, well, I'm going to go back and just, you know, make it right in my mind. Right. Yeah. And then I have to tell my husband what that number is. And, and there's <laughs> this back and forth. That he's like, mm, I don't know. And I just keep going back to like, I believe though that God will rebuke the devourer. Like we, mm-hmm. like we have to do this. A great example for us is when all of this started, this whole pandemic, I already had all these speaking engagements lined up. And yeah. so people were saying, we're going to push it out, push it out, push it out. And one of the companies in particular that I was scheduled to speak at in March, they reached out to me. I'm like, well, hey, you know, if you want to just secure the date for some time in the future, we were at the point where they still were supposed to send the deposit because the contract yeah. had been signed. And I'm like, you know, I completely understand. Either way, let me know. I'm excited to work with you all. And, you know, we continue to tie, do our thing. Do you know, I tied like every other day. I'm just like that. Like as soon as it comes in, I'm like, let me yeah. just send it, send it. Thank goodness for the apps and push pay and <laughs> yeah. all those things, right? But the woman replies to me, she says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just send you the full amount. And whatever day we choose later this year, 2021, I just trust that you'll be available. That's awesome. I'm like, who does that, right? <laughs> like those are the yeah. types of things that happen over and over again. And I try to explain to people, it's not because I'm so awesome, so great. I really do believe that I don't tithe for this reason. That's mm-hmm. not it. But yeah. I do see the results of it in my life every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that heart posture is part of this too, because I always say God's not a genie. He's not like this slot machine that, you know, he's going to allow us to manipulate. He's no fool, but there are promises here and there are provisions. And these are side effects of obeying and of following through on these things that can't be ignored, you know? And, And again, it's like, if you're chasing money just for money's sake, like you're missing it. But if you're trying to honor the Lord and that's the byproduct of it, like, awesome. And it's fun and enjoy it, you know? Yeah, I do. I love, like you said earlier, the excitement of like, 
like, what is God going to do next? Because I always yeah. feel like my mind is so blown. I always feel like a little kid excitement about this doesn't even make sense. This two plus two is not supposed to equal 16, <laughs> you know, like yep. this is not so logical. True. And yet we experience it over and over again. I just love hearing your story. I have a, a practical question for you, though. What do you say sure. to the financial folks who say, why would you pay your mortgage off? Now you won't have a write off. Did people yeah. did, like were people saying stuff like that to you? Oh, yeah. My accountant was man. He was fighting me so hard on this. He just did not want me to do it mathematically, you're right. Like, you're right. It's, it's, it makes more sense to not do it. But for us, it's more than a math problem. There's a, a biblical component here. And like, I just believe that debt is not like, it's not a sin. Like it's, there's nowhere in the Bible where it's shown to be a sin, but it, I just don't think it's what God has, his best for us. You know, if, if Jesus came to set the captives free, like, why would we want to be captives in this area? And so that was just kind of our big motivation. It's like, if we can be debt-free, I want to be 100% debt-free. So that was a big part of it. And then the benefit that comes with that uh, of just not having any, not owing anyone, the peace that comes from that, just knowing that, like the first time we paid off our car, I remember dancing around that bank with the title in my hand. Like I was so excited. It's like, you can't take this from me. You can, you know, just thrilled that like I actually own that car outright and it was even better and sweeter with the house. Like once we got that paid off, just knowing that this is ours and that taking some comfort in just knowing that the biggest bill like I might have right now is our electric bill or something like that. And it's just a really, really nice thing. And that is worth more than some money that could be gained from whatever the write-offs or from having that money in the stock market and letting it grow a little bit faster or whatever the thing may be. Yeah, I'm sure the freedom and the peace, man, is just amazing because now you truly have the opportunity to chase purpose, not money. Like I read that you went on a sabbatical some time ago. What was that sabbatical about? How did that come up? Because you were already self-employed, right? Yeah, yeah. So eight years ago or so, we decided to, well, it started with a one week. We took a one week sabbatical which is absolutely terrifying walking away from my business for one week. And I I decided I wasn't going to check email. And I was terrified that the entire thing was going to come crashing down. I was going to be back and all right, I got to go find a job again. Anyway, it went completely fine. In the next year, I decided, all right, let's go for a month. And so we took an entire month off. And again, equally as terrified. In fact, I called my assistant at the time weekly to check in and make sure the business hadn't exploded. And after that one month, the benefit that I got from a clarity of mind, just being able to step back from the business with a 10,000 foot view and see, all right, where do we actually want to go? Like, who do I want to be when I grow up? Like, what kind of legacy do we want to leave? Like, I don't want to just have a business just to be churning stuff and just transacting, but I want to be impacting people's lives. And, And so anyway, so taking that month was so good for that and so refreshing for my soul to have a break. And And after we did that, I'm like, I'm going to do this every single year for the rest of my life as long as I possibly can. And so we began doing that every single year. And then in 2017, this was another kind of crazy story, but long story short, God led us to take an entire year off. So we took the entire 2017 as a sabbatical. You know, my stomach dropped. (laughs) I know. I read it, but hearing you say it is like, 
a year off. Mine too. Mine too. Like, and it was the same thing where, uh, and he had been preparing me from, for the month long ones for this thing. Cause this was never my idea. Like I am, I'm a worker. I tend towards workaholism. Like this is the opposite. Like there's some people it's like, yeah, I would love to not work for a year. You know, I'm the opposite. Like it's hard. Like when we go on these month long sabbaticals by week two, I cannot wait to get back to work. I'm so excited. <laughs> And so doing this was a huge act of uh, obedience and just trusting him. But again, like the benefit that came out of this, I mean, so much amplified greater than uh, the month long thing. And we had the timing of it all worked out so well. So I had all these plans, all these things we were going to do and courses we we're going to launch and uh, collaborations, all these things I kind of planned out for the first half of the year. I would have been incredibly busy. And then what was interesting is we had, about three months earlier, we had kind of put in our name in a hat to adopt at this one agency. And we had talked to them and they said, all right, here's how we typically work. We typically have, we'll connect you with a birth mother who's about, you know, three or four months pregnant. So you have a long lead in time, five, six months before the baby's born. So you get to know her and talk to her and blah, 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 all this stuff. Anyway, so we had kind of put our name in the hat and three months had gone by and we heard nothing from them at all. But literally it was like four or five weeks after we had decided because this one took a little while to sink in and to say, all right, we're going to do this, Lord. We surrender. We're going to take this year off. After we made that decision, it was about four weeks later, we get a call from the adoption agency and they say, we have a special kind of uh, circumstance right now. Um, we have a birth mother who actually gave birth last night and she has chosen your profile. They basically said, so are, are you in? And we hung up the phone. We prayed about it for about 10 minutes. They're like, all right, let's drive to Alabama and get our baby girl. And so anyway, like in that, we were so unprepared for that because we were expecting this six month kind of lead in. Like we had given away all of our baby clothes. We didn't have a car seat. Like we just completely unprepared. And so in that whole adventure of that next couple months of getting caught up and being able to spend all that time with her was just amazing. And it just couldn't have happened any other way. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. I love how strategic God is, like how intentional, because you were planning. So you were planning this one year sabbatical. And then a few months into it, you get your baby girl and you have all this time to spend with her. Yeah. Well, and, and like I said, I never planned this sabbatical. This was not a forethought <laughs> thing. It was thrown on me. But yeah, just once we got into it, just four months into or four weeks into it, then this happens, which was completely unexpected. We were expecting that to happen at the end of the year, which it yeah. wasn't in our plans, you know, but God's plans are so much better and so much smarter. So, so logistically, how does this even work, Bob? So you plan this again, you get thrown into, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you're called into a one year sabbatical, but your business is still out there. Did you just completely disappear or did you have an arsenal of things and people in place to just create the perception that you were still around? Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote a pretty thorough article on it, probably three or 4,000 words explaining some of that, but the gist was, I was blessed to be able to have an assistant who was able to keep things afloat so that the whole business didn't crash and burn. But in terms of content creation, it's like a lot of is very much an autopilot. We refreshed a lot of content that we had used in the past. I mean, a lot of our content's evergreen. And so some of the articles I'd written a few years earlier, we just kind of republished them. 
We sent out emails that were pretty simple, just highlighting something that was kind of republished. As far as email, I put an autoresponder on and basically said, I'm gone for the year. Um, if, <laughs> what were the crazy. responses? I'm curious. So were people replying like, are you joking? Is this a joke? Or did like, what, what was the response from people that you worked with? Yeah, my, uh, my assistant handled most of them. So I should probably ask her because I honestly <laughs> didn't check them much. But here's the thing I've noticed, though, is that the term sabbatical carries a level of importance and weightiness that is so much different than vacation. And so people are very understanding and very, just very kind about it in general. Anytime I've had the word sabbatical in the email um, autoresponder. So I don't remember getting any negative kickback on that. And pretty much the autoresponder said, you know, here's the deal. I'm gone for the year. You can talk to my assistant. She can probably help you with a lot of things or email me again next year and we'll chat. I know, crazy. But yeah. you you had the ability to do that. I think the reason that most people will hear that and go, oh, I could never is because they haven't been setting themselves up to to do that. Right. Because like you said, yeah. we especially as entrepreneurs, you always feel like you always have to be launching the thing or coming up with something new or yeah. everything is content. And there's a constant game, I feel like, to just churn things out. And you're yeah. saying it's possible to take a step back and not have that daily pressure to do that. And many of us just don't set our lives up to do that, to make it yeah. a reality. Yeah. And, and yeah. And to be honest, I, like, I know how insane this is. Like I just happened to have walked through this path. This is where he led me. But yeah, I mean, for a lot of my life, I had a hard time just not working one day a week and actually taking a Sabbath day, which I know many people do. Like I know there are tons of people who I cannot imagine not checking email for one day. And that is a big, bold step of faith for someone listening who needs to do that. You know what I mean? And so that's the thing. It's like, we're all on this journey and we're at different points in the journey and God's calling different people to do different things at different times. But yeah, that would be my encouragement. It's like, start somewhere, like start taking a break, taking a Sabbath, like actually learning and understanding what the Sabbath means and how it's for our benefit. You know, Jesus said, man is not made for Sabbath, but the Sabbath is for man. There's a biblical principle here. And there's just a um, something really powerful that uh, we have just really enjoyed. The more and more we get to, um, yeah, just understand it a little bit better. Yeah, I love that you said start where you are. Like start, if you could put do not disturb on your phone for five hours a day and not be interrupted. I think that's an act of self-love, right? Like that's an act of starting to just embrace boundaries Mm -hmm. and give yourself those guardrails to not allow, you know, every little distraction, just every little thing to consume you all day long. Um, I, you know, I hear a year and I freak out. I read it, I heard it, and I still my stomach still dropped. I'm like, I just don't understand. And I'm like you, I can only vacation for so long. Yeah. I can get in a good 10-day vacation because the first three days I probably was still thinking about work. So I didn't really hit vacation in my mind until day four. Yeah. Then I can get in a rhythm, but about day nine, I'm like, we should be going back home. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. I, I have things to do. Um, especially because when I am relaxed, I have even more downloads, you know, mm-hmm. things like yeah you know, aha moments. And now I want to go home and draw it all out and plan it all out. 
So let's talk about you are hardcore on money stuff, right? On your site. And I know you have a course called Real Money Budgeting. How did budgeting also prepare you for the sabbatical to pay the house off to do all of these things that you've been able to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that from a practical standpoint, it is the most important thing that we did. You know, I mean, everybody knows that you need to budget. Every financial expert, like it's, you're hard pressed to find some who doesn't suggest having a budget. You can look up a hundred articles about making forward financial progress. Almost all of them will say that. Um, And it's just true. Whether you call it a budget or a spending plan or whatever, how you rename it, it's being able to define where your money is going. And like, I like to call it, I read this quote that said, think about budgeting like a lifestyle design blueprint. I'm like, that is so good. So good. Like if you mm-hmm. think about budgeting as a way of designing the life that you want to be or where you want to be and how you want to live, it reframes it, at least it did for us. And, and so as a result, we started moving down this path of how do we create a budget that isn't just always telling us no, but actually builds in room for all the things that are really important to us. You know, so if that's going out to coffee every Saturday morning, that's important to us. And so we got that into the budget and therefore it's not a struggle and a fight. And giving was a really big thing for us, you know, like we talked about. So that needed to be in the budget. And honestly, that made giving so much more fun, like getting that forefront in the budget because now it's sitting there, it feels like it's someone else's money because it's in its own account, you know? And so that budgeting kind of component was just a critical piece of our kind of success in all of these different things. Because had we not been doing that, the money, when it's sitting in one big bucket, like it's all fighting against each other, you know? And there's this tension between all these different areas you spend. Like, should I give a gift here or should I buy groceries? And now you have to like figure this out and wrestle with this. And when they're delegated out into different buckets, it, it just feels a whole lot different. It doesn't make sense why it feels so much different, but it just does when you, anybody who's budgeted with a good system anyway, like knows that feeling. And so anyway, that's what we set out to kind of um, do in this course is how do we come up with a method that is easy to stick with? That is um, because we tried so many methods. We tried probably seven or eight different methods and we failed with them all. And which was very humbling for me because I'm like a numbers nerd and this financial guy and I'm failing at budgeting left and right. And so we finally developed a system that, you know, and this was just for ourselves. We never intended to create a course, but it worked so well. And then we like shared it with someone and whatever. She saved like $800 her first month just by doing it. It's like, all right, well, I guess it works. Let's turn it into a course. And and so it's been really, really fun. And we've yeah had a lot of success with it. Yeah, I think what you're talking about too refers to that. It's like a financial psychology concept around mental accounting. Mm-hmm. And it's not wise to try to compartmentalize just in your head. So when people yeah. have money in a bucket and it's all in a bucket and there's no separation of what goes where and what's allocated to what, it is so easy to get confused, to lose track, to get it all tangled. It is really important for your, I mean, just think of the clutter that we all deal with on a daily basis. How in the world, you know, I don't remember what I wore yesterday. So there's no way for me to remember a purchase on Monday, you know, that I forget is taking away from something else. I love this concept. Do you, in, in this version of budgeting, are you also suggesting having like multiple accounts for different things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of the way we do it. Um, because we struggled with all the software, like we tried every software out there, like, cause again, running a personal finance blog is like, I'm reviewing everything. And so, Hey, Hey Linda, we're going to try this new thing. She's like, Oh, 
you know, and so we would go through all these things. And uh, that's ultimately what we stumbled on is what if we could use our own bank, you know, so we don't have to have any software involved. Um, and like cash envelopes was not something, again, we tried that, but it's like, this 21st century, like it's hard to do everything with cash. We didn't like that. And so we found a way to use our own bank and basically create multiple accounts at our bank and budget according using that. And so it, it has all this accountability because you're dealing with real money. It's not just numbers on a screen like a lot of software provide. And so it's worked so well for us. So yeah, it's, it's really simple, but it's been um, life-changing for us and for a lot of our students. Well, that's the thing. It should be simple. You know, over all these years, one of my, I think one of the questions that's gotten on my nerve, I'm going to be honest, there are people like, which budgeting software should I use? I'm like, the one that works for you. Yes, exactly. It has to be connected to your lifestyle, like the way that you understand the way, like we're all different. Not, Mm -hmm. it's not a one size fits all thing at all. And so you have to be diligent. You can't try one thing and they'll go, well, that doesn't work. So I'm just going to throw the whole idea of budgeting away. Yep. Yep. You know, you got to keep trying. Yeah. And there's, there's a ton of people right now who are still doing cash envelope budgeting. And it's like, yeah, by all means, if that works, like that's so simple. And if that works for you, like go for it and run with it. Um, and I know that there are plenty of people using software and making it work, but just for us, it just didn't work. Like, I don't know why there was something about the lack of accountability, but like, so that's, you know, why we kind of started using the method that we use. Well, I have to co-sign on this. So I am completely with you mm-hmm. because that used to be, before I start telling people, you got to figure it out for yourself. That was a real strain for me knowing that you know, through and through, I loved personal finance. I loved talking about it, but I struggled with finding things that worked for me yeah. because I was like really old school, write it down. I'm still a very write it down type of person. And so I've found some apps over time. Like there's a few apps that have helped a bit more, but those first like several years, I felt ashamed to tell people that I couldn't master a budget on this app. Because it was like the app that all the finance people were talking yeah. about. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I actually use my accounts. And yeah. I remember when I was yeah. going to the bank to set up several accounts. Yeah. And the woman was like, what are you doing with all these accounts? Yeah. I'm like, this is how I have to see it. When it comes in, that's why I told you too. I tithe immediately. Yeah. So when you look at my you know, transaction history or whatever with my church, you'll see like multiple, you know, payments or whatever offerings like every other day, like each month has a bunch of them, right? Because that's just how my brain works. And I have to see it and I have to go, okay, this percentage goes towards household spending. This percentage goes towards this. This percentage goes towards our saving, our goals, our this or that. And I do that like twice a week at least. And people think I'm crazy that do know, because I don't really talk about budgeting much anymore, which is why I was excited to have you on. But you have to find the thing that works for you. Mm -hmm. And you got to make it easy for you because the most important thing is that you stick to it. It means nothing to connect the accounts and set it all up and then never consult the budget before you make a purchase. That means nothing. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of people think that's what budgeting is. It's like, all right, I just downloaded a spreadsheet. I put some numbers in. It's like, all right, that's how I want to spend my money. It's like, well, Great. That's how you want to spend it. But what are you doing to stay accountable to actually spending it that way? You know? So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I love it. Okay. Well, before I let you go, Bob, 
got to ask you a few redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. So you just gonna tell us the first thing that comes to mind. The first one is how do you define success? Oh man, this is not a rapid question. Um, <laughs> but uh, for me, it is consistently obeying the Lord quickly. Let's say that. That's good. Because you already know there's so much on the other side of that obedience. It's already yeah. done. Oh, I love that. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Mm. Freedom to give. How about that? That's good. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Uh, um, Treasure Principle by Randy Elkhorn. I haven't read that. Treasure Principle. We will link to that in the show notes. Okay. And fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Bob. And the truth about wealth is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Yes. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Bob. I enjoyed this conversation. I am truly inspired. And I know I started out the episode by saying, when I saw the content around you selling off your house or or paying off your house, excuse me, I sent it to my husband. And the reason that I did was not to copy you. It was because I was in my prayer closet and had this download about seven, eight months ago now. And like you said, it wasn't like audible, but I felt it strongly. I felt the Lord say, pay off your house by December 30th, 2025. Yeah. It just strongly, right? And I'm like, but I have investment properties that are less that I should do first, right? And luckily my word, that was obedience. So I'm like, okay, don't debate. Don't don't go back and forth. And when I saw you and your wife talking about it, it was like confirmation. And I literally was scrolling in the middle of the night and just stopped and listened because it was a video. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Literally, I think it was less than 24 hours I saw that video because I was still in a little bit of resistance. Not, you know, not resistance, but I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Right. Because the numbers, (laughs) what I'm thinking is, you know, I wanted to give my opinion instead of being obedient. And I shared that with my husband and he said, let's go. Let's do it. Whatever it takes, let's make it happen. And so I want to thank you for your obedience and sharing that because I know it's obviously not from some type of place of, boasting or pride or, you know, it's none of those things, but that's why I was so excited about having you on because when you really can see someone who you can touch and who is relatable and, you know, who is an everyday person like you are, you know, that it's possible, you know, that it's possible. And even the sabbatical, you got me want to take a two week, not ready for a month, but a two week. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but I, I'm really grateful for your example. Well, and the way I, you I and your wife that. work together. Yeah. Like, cause I, um, anybody who knows me knows that this is a shining example of God using the foolish things to confound the wise. Like I, I'm just, yeah, as normal of a guy as you can be. And I'm telling some of these kind of incredible stories and I'm just like, Oh wait, is that, I went through that. Like, and again, it has nothing to do with me. It's just simple fact of God led me to do it. And it's like, I said, yes, ish, you know, like, (laughs) 
So that's what he does. That's what's so cool is that he takes really common things and does supernatural things. And it's available for all of us, like all of us. So he wants to do these miracles in all of our lives. So that's what I'm excited about. All right. Did you enjoy this episode? I just love Bob's story. I love this idea of tithing your age. Can you imagine Oh my gosh, you have to come over to the Facebook group. We need to talk about this. What would be possible, right? Could you imagine your life free of the burden of debt? Could you imagine your life being able to give as much as you like, being able to take a sabbatical? I have been so inspired by Bob. There are so many things that I've implemented since doing this. And one of those is we plan on living somewhere else for a few months out of the year, every year as we build up um, to our daughter going to college and being able to live out of the U.S. at least six or seven months out of the year and inspired by Bob. It was inspired by Bob. And I'm so excited about all the things that my family has been putting in place in order to make that a reality. And if this has sparked something in you, I don't blame you because reading Bob's blog and following his family on social media has really just been so inspiring. And so definitely go check out ctime.com. Make sure you let Bob know that you found out about him on Redefining Wealth. And I hope you've enjoyed this series. Again, go back the last couple of weeks, check out those episodes, but look at what's possible when we get intentional and radical about paying off debt about giving, about being serious about leaving a legacy, getting our money back. Again, this year is not over, it's not canceled, and there is still time to put a plan in place for you to master your money. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.